All right, I just won't pop my peas. Meeting length is one hour. I will start projecting. All right, could everyone come into the room, close your eyes, take a breath? We'll begin with the serenity prayer. Moment of silence for people who are suffering in and out of the rooms. Prayer. God's, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. The topic of this workshop is 100-pound winners. My name is Quinn. I'm one of the leaders for this meeting. My co-speaker is Susan L. Our timer is Marlene. Thank you so much. This session is being taped and will not be edited. Please note that this session might be available online or in a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. Susan, would you like to come up to speak? Good morning, everyone. My name is Susan, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I'm grateful that they turned the heat up a little bit. All right. Uh, Let's see. Where do I begin? So my highest weight was 362 pounds in 1998. Things happened over the next 10 years. I wasn't involved in OA at that time, but that I did come to OA in 2008. And after, after being suggested by my therapist that... I need something more because I've just been doing the diets. And, um, I, and, I, and I will admit I had bariatric surgery at that time, but I was still struggling. Uh, and at that point, I was up to 229 again. And I worked on my abstinence, and I had my ups and downs. And then I had a significant weight gain. In one year, it was 30 pounds. And I couldn't understand why. And, and that's uh, I went back to the doctor, and I did have a metabolic issue that we had to address. And then in 2014, my abstinence finally came. And um, by then I was up to 272, so I had to, you know. So for for me, there is my OA starting point. And the doctor told me, well, you might get back down to that 220, you know, but, you know, your body is different, you're older and whatnot. But uh, I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do better than that. That's my plan. And... uh, and today I'm down a hundred and well, hundred and twenty pounds from that point. So thanks to OA. Thanks to OA. Uh, let's see. Everybody is such dynamic speakers and I have to cheat on my notes. Uh, <laughs> because I'm afraid what it, you know what I will do. One one of the things that what, what I found from the doctor is that uh, no matter what I did, and even when I got down to the 220 when he was happy, he was like, that's great. I was still labeled obese. And it's like, I've worked so hard. I was at 362 um, pounds when I started losing weight, and, and still I still have to go in and have the chart written as obese. And that was one of the things that I said, I just... If I could just be overweight, wouldn't that be awesome? And some people look at you like, you want to be overweight? And I'm like, Yes. <laughs> And uh, the doctor told me I probably never would be overweight. But you know what? I got overweight. <laughs> and I'm happy. 
and I also said, you know, when I got to that point, I'm like, could I ever be normal? You know, is that a possibility? And a lot of people thought, not just in weight, and I don't think they'd ever think I could be normal, but <laughs> it's something that I strive for. So when I talk about where I got to when I started, you know, the struggle is um, I pretty much started from the time I was born. In some capacity, I always struggled with overeating. Uh, one, of my str- one of my strongest memories was my mom, uh, when I was a baby, I just wasn't happy with, with the formula. Because back then, it wasn't breastfeeding, it was formula. And, and so she said to the doctor, and I wasn't even a month old, she said, can I give can I put a little cereal in her formula? And the doctor said, oh, well, she, wouldn't, she wouldn't eat that. She said she just cries constantly. She, we, keep, you know, we keep feeding her the, the, the milk, and, and um, she, she's still hungry. And the doctor said, she'll, she'll, never, she'll never take it. I took it. And I was a happy baby. Uh, but it kind of fattened me up. And as time went on, between the ages of three and four, I have a memory of uh, every Sunday night we went out for, I I don't know whether we can mention food, but it was a round item, and it comes in slices, and (laughs) 10 inches, yes. And at the age of three, between three and four, I could eat a whole item. And people thought that was hysterical, you know, and it was like, let's watch the little kid eat that item. And, uh, And it was kind of, you know, everybody thought it was kind of funny. And I look back at it now, and I'm like, that really wasn't funny, because it kind of melded me to where I was, and it was part of my food you know, compulsion and my overeating. And I don't think anybody was trying to set me off for a wrong path in life, but, or it, like today, we'd almost say it was almost abusive, but I don't think it was a, you know, an abusive, meant to be abusive, but I did have an issue back then, and nobody really recognized that. Um, when I started going to school, I was the, always the biggest kid in the classroom, uh, and and I struggled with that. But I was very fortunate in the sense that throughout, even as high as I got, uh, I wasn't relentlessly teased throughout life, and so that I don't know whether part of it was that I didn't even accept to where I was because I look at I look at some of my pictures at my highest weight and I'm. And I don't see myself as ever being that high or that, that large. And, and even today, uh, when I look at pictures of myself, I have to look in and go, oh, that's me. Uh, and so I have always struggled with body image. Thus, I'll be at that session later on. <laughs> um, when I was in junior high, I was, it was selected to be part of a, uh, a gifted and talented program. And it was a huge honor because my brother was always the smart kid, and I was always the average kid. So to be labeled gifted and talented was a great honor. And, it, and uh, we got to be pulled out of our regular classes, and we could do things like uh, arts and crafts and ceramics and uh, painting and, and things like that. And, and it, was, it was wonderful. So then our, the person that was in charge said, oh, we're going to do a play on diversity. And uh, so all of a sudden we were assigned parts. And I was assigned to be the fat kid. And that crushed me. And, uh, and I, I, when I thought about doing that, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I was, I was almost suicidal because I didn't want to get up. I, I think all my life, even today, I just want to be normal. I don't have to be superior or above anybody. I just want to be normal. I just want to fit in. I don't want to stand out uh, 
I like to fall through the cracks most of the time. And at that point, it's like, I'm going to be displayed as that fat kid who I've been trying to hide from all my life. And, uh, and it's funny because, fortunately, that play never came to fruition, but uh, I still remember what they were going to say. Fatty, fatty, two by four, standing by the kitchen door. If the door begins to shake, fatty has a bellyache. You know, and I'm 53 years old, and that still rings in my head today. So it just, it's how things play. So I say, by the grace of God, that play never transpired. And I shudder when I think about what children go through if they get labeled into that thing, type of thing. Thus, I'm a teacher, so I'm out there to protect the world <laughs> whenever I can. Um, and it, I continued to struggle with my self-esteem and my weight through, through high school, through college. All my social life remained very distant. I didn't want to put myself out there because I didn't want... I had fear of rejection and disappointment. Um, I did find myself in a, a long-term relationship for about 25 years that I guess I settled for for a long time that... Uh, because I didn't think I was worth any more than that, which was, was, was really difficult. And then that relationship came to an abrupt halt, and I still struggle with like moving on from, from that. Uh, so it doesn't matter how much work we have, we still have more work to do. For the most part, my health was in pretty good shape. Um, I didn't have very many physical limitations. I The one thing that I did have, and I'm going to share, I'll share some pictures with you, if, if somebody could hand one to each side of the groups. Thank you. Uh, one of the pictures there is when I went to New York City about 20 years ago when I was in my, at my highest weight, I went with a group of friends, there was four of us, and we stayed in an apartment um, in Manhattan. My sister-in-law had an apartment, access to an apartment there, and it was a fifth floor walk-up. And Actually, one of my friends is here today, and I don't know whether she even knows this because I wouldn't admit it, but now I'm admitting it now. Uh, when we went to walk up that fl- five flights of stairs, I got up to flight two, and my legs were killing me, and I, and I couldn't breathe. And I didn't want, and one of the things I always did was cover up, and I didn't want to admit defeat. And, um, and so I tried to suck air, keep walking, and stop. And, oh, I dropped my suitcase, so, you know, take a little more time to get up there. And, and we finally got up to the fifth floor, and then we was like, yay, we'll go downstairs, and then we're going to go and do this, and then we'll come back, and then we'll go down, and we'll, go, and we'll come back. And, then we'll, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I don't even know if I can come back one more time. And uh, so I'm like, oh, you know. So I big game planner, you know, let's, we're not here very long. Let's plan it so that we can go out and do everything and just come back one time tonight. You know, let's get ready now. And so I came up with the ultimate plan. Everybody was, they were all game for it. But that was not because it was the ultimate plan. It was just that I didn't know whether I was going to make it up those stairs again. And I have to say that after I lost my weight, I returned to that apartment. And I went up that whole five flights nonstop with my luggage. Didn't have to fake any uh, dropping of the luggage. I will admit that I was still sucking air. <laughs> and I would still suck air today. I probably suck air going up the, the one flight here. But it was great. It was really great. Um, I do have some hip issues. I had uh, arthroscopic surgery in Boston and when I was 32. That was 21 years ago. And um, the doctor told me at that time, if you don't lose weight, you will have a hip replacement. You're way too young to have that done. 
And I, I took it very seriously. I went home for about a month and tried to work on losing weight and put on 100 pounds and had hip pain. And I was like, I can't go back to him because I did exactly the opposite of what I had to do. And that's when I got desperate and had the uh, gastric bypass ori- originally. Uh, I, needless to say, I ran the gamut of the weight loss programs, diets, pills, exercise, therapy, and nothing seemed to work very long. Uh, short-term success followed by long-term return to where I'd come from deeper into the depths of my addiction. And uh, thus I ended up having the gastric bypass in 98. And this was long before the Hollywood actors and actresses were brought to the forefront. And I think one of the things that really resonated with me at that time was when I met with my physician back then, he said, this is a tool. And he said... It's not going to work forever. It's just a tool. He said, God put you on this earth to be a fat person, and you'll struggle with this um, in your weight the rest of your life. So, you know, it was a little scary, but it was like, but I was desperate because I didn't, you know, I, I wanted to be able to walk. I wanted to be, you know, at that point, you know, I was, like I said, I was having problems with my hip. My blood pressure had gone up, and so I was starting to get some physical ailments with it. So I, I took the risk, but I, I kept it in the back of my mind. But the only thing with a program like that is they just work on diet, 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 diet. It wasn't the other two important. Well, I shouldn't say they, they encouraged exercise. But when, my, when I was 362, I, again, I didn't want to get up in front of everybody and walk and have everyone point at me like, oh, look at her walking. Um, so again, the messages that I play, I would not say that to somebody else that was out there, but everybody would say it about me. Uh, so anyway, thus the thing is with surgery, it does work in the beginning, but then it doesn't work. And that tool, you know, all of a sudden the knife and the thing is not sharp anymore. It's, it starts to get dull. And uh, my therapist suggested that I come to OA. And uh, it probably took me a couple of years before I walked in the door. And the first thing that uh, w- was a little scary was the conversation of, of God, and uh, and I didn't have that connection with God for a lot of years, and uh, and I thought he's never gonna you know accept me, and what, why would he want to help? Why would he want to help me? Uh, and it's just my weight. This is something I should be doing on my own. I'm kind of like that independent person that uh, likes to take care of things on my own. But but then once I finally you know like they say you know keep coming back. Um, kind of fake it till you make it. And that's what I kind of had to do for, for a while. I had to fake it till I make it. And then all of a sudden it clicked. And, uh, and, and things started changing. Unfortunately for a while I did have you know, some issues metabolically that I had to have addressed. And once I had my physical things taken care of, um, the, the three parts kicked in. And so from about 2014 to now, uh, like I said, not because of surgery, but because of OA. You know, I'm down 100, 120 pounds, and even the doctor had told me, you'll never do that. Yeah, I will. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'll ever be normal, um, that, but I, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a goal to, to be there, and, uh, and that's okay. Uh, spiritually, I've reconnected with my higher power, and that's changed my life and empowered me to be a better person, um, I've come more self-confident and have decided um, that
that what I have to say might be worthy. So coming to a session like this and, and having the, uh, having gone through gastric bypass, it's like, oh, they're going to reject me because she went through gastric bypass. She took the easy way out. But it's like, no, well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was that tool back then, but it didn't work. And so I came in after that, and that's when it worked. Just like many people that come in that have gone to other things like Weight Watchers and uh, you know the other programs that are out there, the diet pills and all of that. Uh, it's we've all had our our, our different um, me- methods or modes to try to to get gain control of our life. Uh, when I was reading about this conference and the possibility of doing service, uh, it it came to me about, always purpose came to mind, um, excited to share the solution I found with those who are still suffering. Thus, I'm here to, today to share my story. Um, so physically, I'm doing well. I have a bit of a limp every once in a while and some pain from my hip, but I still have that <laughs> original hip from <laughs> still in place, and I'm hoping to continue to walk my OA journey with that for, for years to come. The tools of recovery have been key in my recovery from compulsive overeating, and the more that I work with my tools um, to the best of the ability, the greater success I have along this journey. I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I work every one of them uh, at the same time or I give them equal playing time. Each of them has their own special place along the path that I follow. My plan of eating is key for anyone that struggles. Each of us has to find what way that works for us. Uh, I think with so many programs, it's like, it's this way or the highway. And I think we're all different. It's like, I know I have a metabolic issue, so I have to eat differently than other people do. And, uh, and it's just finding that, finding that niche in, um, in what you're eating. So the second tool, sponsorship. I struggled with sponsorship because being that independent person that didn't want to be re- rejected, it took me a while uh, to even attach myself with a sponsor but it is key and I think that once once I uh, found a sponsor and had that connection it really makes a difference so those of you that are still struggling with that do it it's very important as our meetings I went through an illness a few years ago and uh, wasn't able to go to meetings but even if you're not able to go physically to a meeting there's always the phone uh There's also online meetings, so utilize those. Telephone. When I was a kid, I used to get in trouble for being on the phone all the time. My mother would set a timer to get off the phone because we had a party line, so it would probably interrupt the neighbors. But uh, now I don't like to use the phone that much. But email and text are really a a good way to do a quick check-in. I'm a big writer. I love to, I love to write. Uh, it's, it's probably my favorite tool, and it's very therapeutic for me. And I've, I've gone through the, the uh, Voices of Recovery book and the For Today book, and uh, it's, I think that's it. And, and without having to overdo it, at first I was going to be lofty. I was going to do both of them, one in the morning, one in the night. And, it, and then I wasn't doing well, so I wasn't doing any. And then finally I just said, just do one, do one, and, it, and it's great. Uh, Anything that you can get your hands on, literature, is wonderful to, to, to coincide. Um, action plan, you know, if you fail to plan, plan to fail. Uh, I think that is, is very important. I love the anonymity that we have here. I can remember going to my 
first uh, retreat in Biddeford. And by the way, I forgot to say I was from Maine. And, uh, and I saw the list, and I saw two of my coworkers were on the list. And I went, oh, my God, they're going to know I'm here. And I'm like, oh, they're here, too. <laughs> and then I, and it gave me a whole new meaning to anonymity. It's like, that's okay. I, so uh, I think that's great. And finally, this service. We're all in this together. And I volunteered um, to do this because I felt there were others who struggle like me and as to where they fit on the journey. So to me, everyone has something important to say. Um, I love the slogan, progress, not perfection. We don't need to be perfect in this journey. It's okay to have slips and falls. That's important that we stay on the ground that we've walked on. We need to get up, brush ourselves off, and continue to do the best that we can and be the best that we can be. That's progress. I wish you all the best as we continue this journey together. Thank you. And now, here's Quinn. Hey, everybody. I know that for me, one of the things that I've had such a struggle with is to try and figure out what is my path? How do I do this? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it enough? Am I doing it right? All that stuff. And it's, there's a tension that I feel in my body when I am struggling to be a normal person. There's a tension when I'm trying to maintain something that the more I grasp it, the more it squeezes out through my fingers. I heard somebody say, my whole purpose, my whole being, my whole effort, my whole work is to be so relaxed in my body as to hold no energy. For me, I don't have to squeeze the smell out of flowers to enjoy them. I'm not a normal person. I will never be a normal person. I've always wanted to be a normal person. It's just not going to happen. Um, I've struggled my entire life with my size. Um, I remember being around 8 or 9 or 10 and my mom saying, just make sure you never get to be too big. I was a very thin child, very, very active. So that kind of experience put me in a place where I wanted to be more small. And of course, the smaller I tried to be, the more work I put into it, and the more effort it took to stay in that smallness. And that worked out great when I was over-exercising and when I was starving myself. But then I got pregnant, and I couldn't exercise. I couldn't starve myself. And luckily, my kids are normal people. I have no idea how this worked, but they're regular-sized people. And after my pregnancy, <laughs> so I had my babies, and I got back on the scale, and I was, I was at about 240 pounds. And then I gained another size, so I don't know what my top weight was. Um, for the tape, I'm five feet and um, three inches and three quarters. <laughs> and, um, and I'm currently, um, as of a couple of days ago, 116 and a half pounds. Um, when I first was thinking about this, this size thing, I had my babies and I was ready to start starving and over-exercising again, which I did. And I got down to about 180 pounds, and I was starting to pass for normal, and I was insane. 
because this is not a program for me of being able to use my mind to control my body. My, I, I keep hearing it again and again and again. This is a physical malady with an emotional problem and a spiritual solution. And the only thing that I could see was the physical. So once I lost some weight, I was like, this is going to be great. And was, again, squeezing the smell out of my flowers. I stopped eating wheat and sugar, which are some of my primary binge food triggers, in 1999 before I came into program. And that helped a lot, but the madness was still there. I had nothing to put back in place of the stuff that I was taking out. So after some prompting from the one one other person in my extended family who's in program, I came into program in 2004. I stopped drinking in 2006, not because alcohol was my issue, but because I liked the really sweet drinks. So I figured that they're probably intertwined somehow. I realized how crazy I was when I put down the food and I had nothing to put in the place. I got in a program, went through a couple of sponsors pretty quickly because they were busy or dropped out or something, something happened. And once I found a sponsor, we, we got me on a food plan and I started gaining weight. And I said, this is not how it's supposed to be. And she said, don't worry about it. Get used to eating good food. We'll take care of that later. Here, work some steps. Ah. So after working some steps, I was in my step four. I was writing some stuff down. And she said, you know what? Let's take a look at your food now. Take one day, weigh and measure your food, and see what you've got. And I was like, okay, I can, I can do that for one day. And I found out that I was having a lot more food than I needed in one food item. And you know, it was one of those, oh, well, when I'm eating 3,000 calories a day, I'm going to look like I'm eating 3,000 calories a day, which was less than what I was eating before. So I come by this honestly. Once I came down to what I would consider to be a normal caloric rate, I started dropping weight, but I was still an insane person. And it triggered an awful lot of stuff. I had tried this diet and that diet, and the diets themselves were fine. It was that it was the effect on my system that was not okay. I have autoimmune issues. Um, I had switched my diet about three-ish years ago to try and figure out what's going on. I knew I was missing something, but I didn't know what it was. So I did try a different food plan, which literally burned the inside of my system. You can still see it in my face, which is a lot better than it was, but I'm still not passing for normal because the evidence of what I went through physically is still on my body. Crap. I had lost, at that point, my, my trajectory in time is kind of odd, but I, I had come in, I gained weight, I lost weight, I was passing for normal, I had to change my food. I gained 20 pounds in the course of about two and a half weeks, eating less than what I had eaten before. This was a little bit of an ego blow, but granted, I had been working the steps a lot. I stayed in program every week that I could. I, uh, my, my health tanked, so I, I had missed some meetings, 
but I was able to come back again and listen to podcasts. Oh my gosh, there are thousands of podcasts online, and they were instrumental in making sure that I could stay in the program and stay here. I finally found, all of my doctors kept saying, I don't know, I don't know. I can see that everything is weird and wonky in your blood work, but you eat nothing wrong. You drink pure water. You know, you exercise. We've got no idea. Good luck with that. It was horrifying. Horrifying. But my stubbornness, my desire to be the kind of person that my higher power wants me to be, which is relaxed and enjoyable and fun and interesting and weird and quirky and kind of me, that was not going to change as long as I stayed in program. My sponsor stayed with me. She kept saying, I know what you're eating. I know that you're doing fine. Just keep going, keep going. And I finally... It took a little while, but I finally realized that what I was eating was not right for my system. So I changed that um, a couple of... Boy, I, changed, I stopped eating the foods that I was eating in January, finally was able to narrow down some more stuff in February. The weight still wasn't coming off. And in August, I found out that some of the stuff that I was eating, I was allergic to. Inflammation. So I dropped them, and I dropped... 14 pounds in two weeks, which, again, was a little freaky-making. And because of all of the damage that's going on, I've got a lot of hanging skin. And I know that this is not news to anybody, that when you blow up a balloon, it stretches out, and when it shrinks back down again, it doesn't shrink down to its size, but that's, that's also part of my story. My story is about my scars. My story is about the wounds that I was able to walk through. My story is also about freedom. Now, in program, I was given everything I needed in the first meeting. I had to do the work, but I was given everything. And I know that, for me, it's really all about what am I working towards? What is my, what is my thing that I'm, I'm staying in the rooms for? What is my, my pull? And for me, I kept running away from the weight. I kept running away from my feelings. I kept running away from my emotions. And what program has shown me to do is turn around and look at that and see, am I working towards something? For me, effort is the first part of success and joy. Um, there has been a lot of joy in my life. The happiness is a little bit harder. I was talking to my husband about it last night, and I said, my nature is not happiness. My nature is not seeing the positive in everything. So I need to work for it. I need to work hard. What I'm also doing is Enjoying the success that comes from living through one day with the focus being on that joy. It's not happy all the time, but that the, the joy for me means a deep satisfaction that does not come without doing anything. So 
if, if I'm looking at a kid who's learning how to walk, when they're walking, they can see it. They know that they've succeeded. And that is the thing that brings that joy and that satisfaction. When I'm on my couch, everything getting smaller and smaller and more compact and, and less than, I don't have that joy because I'm not striving to open that up. One of the most amazing things that happened um, this past summer is and I've been going to a fair and, and I've been seeing this guy who works with a horse who's had a lot of the same stuff that I've got, the post-traumatic stress, all the health issues, all of these things. And so he, he and this horse have been working a, a lot together and in the ring with lots and lots of people, this was a traumatized animal. And, um, and he's been working with this, this horse for a long time. And for the first time, he blindfolded not himself, which he'd done before, and ridden around, no, no reins, no saddle, no halter, nothing. He blindfolded the horse. Horses are flea animals. If you take away their feet and their eyes, they're dead. They know this. He was able to blindfold the horse, put a lead on, on the horse so the horse could feel what's going on. And the delicacy of their relationship enabled him to bring the horse around and move this 1,300-pound animal with a string that was thinner than your pinky. And I talked to him later because I'm a fangirl. I will go up and talk to him. Ah. And he said it was like leading around a butterfly. And that's what my higher power does for me. I am a blindfolded, very large, very powerful creature that, given my own druthers, will run and stick my, my hoof in a, a hole and snap my leg in a heartbeat. But if I am led willingly by that delicate touch, it's going to lead me to a place of immense satisfaction that's going to bring me to a place of joy. My freedom, which I've gained through the 12 steps, the tools are great. They're so supportive of the step work for me. I don't get the same thing by simply using the tools. The tools for me are support for the step work. If I am not listening to that, the shackles of my character defects comes up and holds me down. It takes away my legs. When I am open to the freedom that I've been given, I've got to keep working for that freedom. What am I working toward? What is the freedom giving me? How can I use that freedom to help somebody else? And it's, yeah, it's what I'm eating. I weigh and measure my food. I go to meetings. I do the things. I'm an exerciser. I run. I do stuff. But it really is the, the happiness and the joy and the freedom of this program that gives me a responsibility to continue to walk the path. I could have sat down and said, everybody's telling me, oh, honey, 
Just take your meds. Stay on the couch. Don't do anything. Something miraculous will happen where you'll feel better. You'll lose the weight. I mean, my skin was starting to almost split because I gained the weight so fast this past couple of years. My husband's been fantastic. He's like, no, I'll, I'll take care of them and, and, and all, all the things. But that doesn't actually help me in my path. So the step work, I got a new sponsor. I listened to some more stuff. Moving toward that space gives me that freedom from character defects. It's opened me up to another level of my higher power and opened my heart so that... that um, relaxation that I referred to earlier, that's where I want to live in that coming back into the energy of my own self connected to my higher power, grounded into the earth, and remembering that my feelings do not have a mouth. No matter how much I eat, it doesn't feed my feelings. Something I just read that I thought was so amazing was that... um, First, I had to stop killing myself when I came into program. I had to let all that go, but then I had to learn how to live. And this is one of those things that I don't want to endure my life. I don't want to have to just suffer through my life. I really want to enjoy it and love it and and be thrilled by it, whether I'm thrilled by a monarch butterfly that's just hatching or my kid who decided to come home from college for the weekend spontaneously. Not This was last weekend. But just that, that radical perception of, let's make this fun. Program isn't meant to be endured. I want to have fun with this. And the only way that I know how to f- have fun is to do the things that are hard and to struggle and to really grapple with that and then see where, where are the victories. I might have to tap out... I'm a grappler, so this whole thing is very real. But I might have to tap out, but the effort is in the struggle. And I can do the struggle and really enjoy it, even if you know, if I lose, whatever. But I'm in the fight, and everyone who's here is in the fight with me. And there is something amazing and powerful and magical about that, that weight comes and goes, whatever. I'm going to be older. I'm going to you know, change shape and size. But it's the, the finding that decadence and that lusciousness in the world that I'm forming now, which is program. And I can't thank you enough for being here. I can't thank any of the people who have put this on, the convention people, the volunteers who are doing this, the people who are filling up the water containers and straightening up the chairs, we're all in it together. We're all doing this. And any time I feel separated, it's because I'm ignoring the fact that all I have to do is reach out my hand blindly because I can't see. My legs are taken away from me. All I can do is reach out and listen to that butterfly light lead from my higher power that sometimes comes from you, comes, sometimes comes from my higher power, and sometimes I can hear it and sometimes I can't. But if I'm in the rooms enough, I'm watching how you're being led. And that inspires me to try again for another day. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. This workshop will end at 1045.
We will now open the floor for three-minute pitches. The timer will signal you when you have one minute left. If you would like to share, please come up to the front of the room and form a line to stage right. You must sign the release form before you speak, which is right over here. Please step up to the microphone and introduce yourself. If you'd like to use a different name, go for it. Tell where you're from, how long you've been in OA. We'd like to remind OA members who are in other fellowships to speak only to your personal recovery in OA. Please stick to the topic of this meeting. For those of you who might have arrived late, the topic of this workshop is 100-pound winners. The meeting is now open for sharing. Hey, I'm Ann. I'm a compulsive reader, grateful in recovery one day at a time. I would be remiss not to express my gratitude to this particular topic. Ten years ago at the 08 Plymouth Convention, I sat here at 310 pounds with the gift of desperation, even though I didn't know it. And the people shared what I needed to hear, and that was hope. Hope that what I had always dreamed was impossible in my life, even though I'd been in program for four years and didn't really understand, but the hope that if they could do it, I could too. And I needed that. I needed to rely on them to get me going. And by the grace of God, one day at a time, it'll be coming up to 10 years abstinent and maintaining that 165 pounds for eight years. No, no, no. You know what? It was just the beginning. I'm going to need the time, Marlene. It was just the beginning, right? Because I stood in that mirror this morning when I got dressed, and I looked at the person peering back at me, and I thought, who is she? I don't recognize you. And it's okay because the steps and getting to know a power greater than myself has been the journey. It says in the big book, the bottle's are just a symbol. My body size and the food and some wonderful messages here today keep me grounded and keep me going just for today. Thanks. Morning, everybody. My name is Ed, and I'm a compulsive eater from uh, Queens, New York. I'm in program 35 years, and I think this is my 34th convention. Only because I was away, I missed one convention. Uh, I'm maintaining just about 140-pound weight loss for about 25 years, a little longer. My original was 165, and I relapsed, gained a lot back. So I'm maintaining at 140 pounds. Um, all I can say, I have the gratitude that I had gotten sick. I learned about Overeaters Anonymous from, it was either my doctor or the social worker in St. Francis Hospital in Long Island because I was having heart problems. And they told me I needed to come to a, to lose weight and keep it off. Because at the time, I was 365 pounds. I had lost weight. I was 350, lost weight, got sick, went back up, and came back to the hospital. I was 365. So I know that I was not going to be long for this life at uh, 40 with having heart problems. 
Um, so I can't say enough, and I do with my higher power and the steps, the program. If you're sitting here, and I hate to, I'm not proselytizing, but if you're sitting here and you're not doing the steps, you might as well go to a, and pay to program because the steps is in the recovery. But I can say this, that um, all my friends except one is in program. I don't deal with civilians. <laughs> they don't talk my language. Everybody, thank you. I hope I'm here for the next OA convention. I am Anna, very grateful, compulsive overeater, abstinent, one day at a time. And I'm from Flushing, New York. And I had to come to my 100-pounders because I need to be with my people. You know, all over this uh, hotel, there are people who share our disease. But those of us in this room, we got something that some of them don't understand. Someone who is blessed to find program and they only had to lose 30 pounds will never know the shame of being asked, don't sit in that chair. Or, or the embarrassment of asking for a seatbelt extender. My highest recorded weight is 337 pounds. I'm not that anymore. I'm not as thin as I'd like to be, but I always would like to lose 10 more pounds. So I gave up what my weight should be. That is now my nutritionist responsibility, not mine. But I had to come here for two reasons. One, I need to fill my engine. You guys gave me so much. I love that you spoke about the autoimmune disease because I am in a major flare-up of an autoimmune disease right now, and I'd really rather be in bed sleeping. But because of program, I do have, it said in, in voices today, a three-dimensional life, and I love that because I have a real life. I existed before program. So one, I needed to be filled up, and two, at my very first meeting 11 and a half years ago, I was given the gift of identification. At my second meeting, a 100-pounder. And I still get emotional. She gave me the gift of hope. And I've heard many of us come up here and say it. That's the gift we get. Because I said, okay, I went. I was, well, I actually went planning to hate it and leave and telling the therapist, I told you so. But there was something there. But when I was given that gift of hope, you mean not only could I lose weight, because I lost 100 pounds twice and 90 pounds three times, not only could I, there was a possibility that I didn't have to weigh 300 pounds for the rest of my life. And I want to share that. So if you're sitting in this room, there is hope. There really is. And it is in the steps, which I've also heard a lot of us say. It's, the tools are great, but it is in the steps. Work the, live the steps. Work the tools, and, and let, let, let's hold each other up through the tough times and rejoice with each other in the good times. Thanks for letting me share. Hi, my name is Laura Gray from Recovery Eater. Formerly from Long Island, I now live in Pisgah Forest, North Carolina. Uh, thank you, both of you. Um, I came into these rooms at 409 pounds. Um, I did it the pain in the ass way, one day at a time. 
until I, until I thought that I had it and um, by someone, by a female friend betraying me, I said, I'll fix her. And in eight weeks, nine weeks, I gained over 80 pounds. I am a compulsive overeater without exception, and I own a seat in this place. Um, the hardest thing I find for me is, okay, looking in the mirror and saying, and I understand what you were saying before, um, I had eight inches taken off of each of my arms. That's how big my arms were. I had a stomach that hung down to my knees. I don't have that today. The body image still sucks. I turned 70 this year. Um, and my husband said to me the day after I turned 70, so you feel any different? I wanted to smack him. <laughs> my husband is not one of us. He eats whatever he wants and never gains weight. That's the one thing I hate about him. <laughs> what I love about him is when I got married three years ago, the major issue I had was you will never stop me from doing these conventions, meetings, or whatever I need to do. I said, because if you do, one, we will probably get a divorce because I will be a raving lunatic bitch. <laughs> Excuse my language. <clears throat> uh, I found myself standing in front of a train because someone told me, you're prettier than her, you're a better person than her, but she has a better body than you. Thank you. Well, you know what? It's really funny because they both, I have a better body than both of them today. <laughs> and God works in mysterious ways. One day at a time that um, this program taught me how to love myself, even though there's days I don't, it taught me to accept myself for who I am today. Uh, it's given me a relationship with God that I never really had a thought ahead. Uh, and it's given me friends from all over the world. And um, for that, I'm grateful for. And when I come here and see people that I haven't seen in a year, um, I haven't seen in six months, I haven't seen in a month and a half. I've had friends in program come to visit my husband and I down in North Carolina. And let me tell you, that is a gift that they have no idea when they come and visit the gift that they give me. Thank you very much for letting me share, and God bless. Hi, I'm Bobby, a food addict from uh, Waltham, Massachusetts, and I want to thank the speakers. Hmm? I want to thank the speakers. Um, it was very moving to hear both of you. Um, I, um, I came in here 18 years ago at 260 pounds. I am 4 foot 11 and a half, and I was convinced I had a large frame, and you can see that I do not. I'm a very tiny. I have a coworker um, at the school. I, I am also a teacher. I, a coworker of mine describes me as pocket-sized all the time. <laughs> And I never get tired of hearing it. Please, you know, they'll be like, you're so tiny. And I'm like, go ahead, go ahead. You know, I lost 130 pounds plus in this program. I'm probably right now at about 135 pounds, I've, you know, down around there, um, give or take. And um, I came in here because I thought I would never, ever lose it. I tried all the other diets. And... Um, yeah, I lose a little bit. But you know what? When you have that amount of weight to lose, you feel like you're never going to do it. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that here, but I thought, fuck it. Oops, excuse my language. <laughs> I thought, 
I forgot I was being re- forgot I was being recorded. Ruh-roh. Um Anyways, that'll be the R version, I guess, instead. Anyway, no, that makes it an X version, I thought. Forgot how many times I say the F-bomb. Um, anyways, um, I'm so, you know, I really just came in here for the steps. I came in through another program, and I came in through the steps because I thought I could find the key that would unlock the, the girl that was in there. I was not fat my whole life. That came on after 25 on up. And um, but anyways... Um, I came in and um, I was relieved of this weight because I fell into a program, a group um, that does, um, you know, we're called the 90-day community. And um, I know that might make some people shudder, but we do the no sugar, no flour. I weigh and measure three meals a day. I eat nothing in between. I don't do any artificial sweeteners or any of those things. But because of that, the weight fell off fell off. I kid you not. I lost 31 pounds my first month. Um, it also goes to show how much crap I was eating. I'm a hardcore sugar addict. And, um, you know, I no longer have to face those indignities. I'm just going to take a couple of seconds real quick. The indignities of having my ass be so big that I was afraid to go through a restaurant when you have to go through two tables and the tablecloth comes off with you. The indignities of having to play with your pantyhose. Men, you probably don't have to worry about that, luckily. But you can't put the damn pantyhose on, and when they come up, they, they rip between your legs. Looking at those turnstiles when you're trying to get on a subway, am I going to get stuck? You know, um, somebody mentioned sitting down to somebody and looking the dirty looks, the pain of legs, the pain of my feet, shortness of breath, the back aches. I don't have to suffer anymore. And I came in here and heard the word hope, and I continue to hear the word hope. And my job is to be of service to God and my fellows and to carry the message to the still-suffering food addict. Thank you. Hi, my name is Pam, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, this is freaking me out because my first convention, and I have not felt the need to share. Um, I, I can, as an addict, I will be coming back for sure. Um, so uh, I, um, I'd like to thank both of you because uh, when I first came into the rooms, uh, I used to listen to the 100-pound uh, phone calls in the evenings, and I haven't done that in a long time. And uh, my basic story is I'm five feet tall and like a quarter of an inch. I like to fluff that up a little bit. but uh, And um, my heaviest weight that I know of was 286 pounds. And uh, by the grace of God, I last week I'm about 206. So it's been... I just didn't think I'd ever get there, to be very honest. Um, my story is also two bariatric surgeries. And um, I became diabetic at 33 uh, lost 50 pounds, and I'm so glad you said metabolism because I, my metabolism is like below the floor. You know, we're talking like 60 feet under, and it's just, um, I've had PCOS when I was a child, still have it, um, metabolic syndrome, you name the endocrine gland, and it is messed up for me. And um, unfortunately, after losing the 50 pounds, my thyroid tanked. <laughs> and, you know, this program has taught me to let go of so much shame and anguish. Um, I was the fat one of the family. I was the first diabetic in the family. I've got hypothyroidism, the whole list. And now I find out because, you know, my family, we, we keep our secrets. You know, we don't share. Um, if we share, I'm Indian, and if we share that our daughters are messed up, they won't get married. And, you know, all this ridiculous stuff. And it turns out that hypothyroidism is on both sides of my family. Diabetics are everywhere in my family. Cardio, I mean, it's just so, you know, and it was all me, my pride and ego. You know, I was the one. 
Um, and uh, the most recent, you know, I've been in the room since late 2010, and a year ago, I, um, a year, two years ago, my endocrinologist said to me, listen, I think it's great that you're not, you know, eating sugar and having alcohol, and that's wonderful, and it's six years of sobriety, and he says to me, bariatric surgery, and I said, oh, no, 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 I did the lap band. That's what brought me into OA. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And um, he, uh, he said, listen, he said, you were 33 when you got diagnosed, you're 42. I turned 44 next month, and he said, by 50, 60, you're looking at insulin and amputations. And I went, get the hell out of here. Like, I'm not having sugar. <laughs> you know, like, you've got to be kidding me. And, um, you know, my body was adjusting to the meds. And so next med, next med. Well, how many meds are there? And long story short is, uh, you know, I had the surgery, and there's been a lot of anguish in my mind that I cheated or I don't belong here, you know. And I just thank you so much for what you guys have shared because it's bringing me a level of I did what I needed to do to survive. And thank you. Hi, I'm Gary, very grateful for Recover Compulsory from, from New York. Hey, Gary. Thank you. I want to thank the speakers. Um, I remember I've been in program 17 years in December, and uh, I got my first real encouragement hearing a 100-pounders talk uh, because I came in program at 330 pounds, and I didn't think it was possible. Uh, but there were people up here who had their pictures, you know, and uh, I believed them. So I came to believe that this program could help. When I came into this program, um, I was told by my physicians that I needed three different surgeries. I needed heart surgery, gastric bypass, and sleep apnea surgery, uh, which was a four-and-a-half-hour reconstructive surgery in the back of my throat to remove all the fat so I could breathe at night. By the grace of God, in this program, I have not needed any of those for 17 years. And by this fellowship and the grace of God and our great literature and great sponsorship, I've been maintaining 120-pound weight loss for 99.9% of the past 16 years. So um, what I learned in this program was that all the dieting and exercise that I had done was successful 100 times short-term and unsuccessful 101 times long-term. Uh, the 18 years of therapy that I had was helpful in some areas of my life, but did not touch my food addiction because I didn't know I had a food addiction. Uh, and it took me to the age of 50 to realize that I had this condition called compulsive overeating. Uh, I did not want to have it. I didn't ask for it. I can't cure it, but this program and my higher power can if I ask for help. And what I heard here today was people who are willing to ask for help and guidance to help them with this fatal disease. And I'm grateful. I thank my higher power every day that I have recovered from this fatal disease and, will, uh, God willing, will continue to work it. But what I've also discovered is by working the spiritual solution of, the, of this program, I've been able to apply all the information and knowledge I gained from uh, 45 years of dieting and exercise. I can now apply that knowledge. Uh, I can now apply the knowledge and experience I had from 18 years of therapy to help improve my relationships but this is the only condition that I know of that when you recover from it, you just don't feel better physically. Uh, you feel better emotionally and spiritually, and your life improves. I had pneumonia. When I recovered from pneumonia, I was no better as a person. When I, re <laughs> when I recovering from this disease, all the relationships that I have in my life with people, places, and things in my higher power have improved, and that's what I long to look forward to uh, in my, God willing, many, many years of more recovery. Thank you.
Okay. Yeah, 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 good. Unfortunately. My, my sponsor said I'm not here. <laughs> you did. You did. You did. Thank you, everybody. We'd like to thank everyone who attended this workshop. Um, if you did not get a chance to share, find me, because I'd love to hear your story. We'll close the meeting with the serenity prayer. Can we go ahead and circle around, please?